Mountains End singers, we appreciate that this evening. Turn your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, and uh, I uh, want to just say a couple of things. One is uh, uh, I want to really encourage you to be here uh, tomorrow night for our Fall Harvest Carnival, and uh, we need your help. Uh, we need your involvement, and we, let me say in advance, appreciate the sacrifice, and I believe it is a good testimony to this community, and uh, it'd be a great blessing to have you join us, and uh, we do have our haunted house going on here uh, in a little while. I'm going to preach uh, briefly tonight, maybe, and um, we're going to uh, go to the Word of God, Deuteronomy 18, if you're able to stop by the haunted house, and one thing I will say is remember, we're trying to win souls. And so uh, that means that we want to give our visitors priority. How many can say amen? And uh, believe God to touch these lives. And so you can remember that. Deuteronomy 18, we're going to go there in the word of God. I shared some of these thoughts with our teen Bible study uh, last week and uh, wanted to just look at that. As you know, this morning I preached on white magic and tonight I'm going to preach on black magic and take advantage of this opportunity of this time of year to highlight things the Bible teaches about uh, witchcraft and this whole issue of the occult uh, because I don't think that we should let Hollywood or uh, the local New Age uh, 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 bookstore tell us what the occult's all about. Every year at this time, you know, they'll interview uh, the local witch and They'll explain what it is. Now, let's get an explanation from the Bible. I was fascinated to read an article uh, the other day. I believe it was in the Wall Street Journal. And it was very interesting because the article was about how the popularity of Halloween seems to be much greater today than when we were kids. How many old people do we have here? Amen. Besides me and Gilbert. Amen. Who uh, I'm talking about born before 1980. And... Uh, uh, when you were young, you know, Halloween wasn't that big a deal. When we were growing up, you know, you got dressed up about five minutes before it was time to go. Uh, uh, you know, we would, we would get dressed. We didn't put any forethought into that uh, or anything. It was, you know, a minute before, you know, uh, put, a, you know put a fake beard and, and that's it. I'm ready to go, you know. Uh, but how many know it seems like Halloween lasts for about 45 days now? And they have whole buildings that are rented just down the street there. We actually have two in our area, you know, selling Halloween gear and parties. And it's, and it's become a much bigger event, far more commercialized, far more popular uh, than it was uh, a generation ago. And this article suggested the reason why Halloween is so popular today is because so many people have no faith. They have no power. They don't believe in anything. And so uh, what, uh, what Halloween does uh, is the occult is giving people something to believe in again. And that the appeal to a lot of young people uh, is uh, that they have been raised as cynics. Uh, their mom and dad don't go to church. Nobody teaches them the Bible. Uh, and so they're craving to believe in something supernatural. Uh, and now the occult has come and said, believe in us. We have a message for you. And they're giving them an understanding of the spirit world, but it's not rooted in the word of God. So I want to look at the subject of black magic with you. And I want to read out of Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10. The children of Israel are moving into the promised land. 
And as they're moving into the promised land, God is very concerned because they are now going to be exposed to the occult in a way they've never seen before. Now, granted, they have come out of Egypt, but in Egypt, they have been sent to the land of Goshen. They have lived a very, very controlled environment. And now as they are moving into the promised land, they're moving in. God is concerned because they're going to be exposed to witchcraft. And it says in Deuteronomy 18 and verse 10, these words, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead for all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord and because of these abominations the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Father, I pray right now for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, God, I take authority over all witchcraft. I come against right now every spirit that would vex and torment, uh, break the curse by the blood of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, I want to begin and talk about how witchcraft is everywhere. It does not matter uh, this evening where you look, uh, you will find them. Uh, it, it, everywhere you uh, turn around, you will find uh, uh, this expression. It doesn't matter. In fact, some of you probably see them right now, you know. <laughs> you, you think about it. Our entertainment world is filled with images of witchcraft. Uh, some of you that are older might remember heavy metal music. How many heavy metal freaks did we used to have here? Where, where, you know, it seemed like if you were going to be a good band, you had to have pentagrams and you had to be involved in the occult and witchcraft. You had Megadeth and Judas Priest and uh, uh, many other bands. Um, and it wasn't their music. What they were marketing, what they're selling was witchcraft. And the idea that uh, their songs contained some sort of insight and revelation and understanding. And we saw that there, if it wasn't in music, it was in the movies. And, uh, you know, uh, slasher movies and movies that scared or, and, and uh, gripped hold of people's lives. I heard a very interesting interview yesterday on the radio where they interviewed William Peter Blatty. This is the man who wrote the book, The Exorcist, 40 years ago. And... Uh, talked about how writing that book changed his life. Um, he said that when he wrote the book, he meant it to be a testimony of faith about a Catholic priest, and he had no idea that there would be such a fascination, uh, and it would become what is considered the scariest movie of all time. And every year, Hollywood is competing uh, to come out with something that fascinates and lures uh, with witchcraft. And if it's not music or movies, um, now it's video games. Uh, we've come a long way from bewitched. A long way from the housewife who moved her nose to clean the house. You know, uh, I mentioned Harry Potter and the whole idea of Harry Potter and, and all of that. It was interesting to give you an idea. I was in a teenage Bible study the other night and I was talking about Harry Potter and I said, how many of you grew up with Harry Potter? Not one of the teenagers, they looked at me blinking like I didn't know what I was talking about. The only ones who grew up with Harry Potter were Mary Grace and Robert. They lifted, oh yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. 
But how this had become so popular, listen to this uh, article. It says, uh, J.K. Rowling draws on ancient witchcraft lore. Pagan society in Great Britain, Britain has received hundreds of requests from kids and how to join their society and learn the art of witchcraft. Rowling, now this is the woman who wrote the Harry Potter book. She says, I get letters from children and they are begging to be let into the school and some of them are really sad because they want it to be true so badly they've convinced themselves that witchcraft is true. This article went on to say that 10-year-old little girls, when you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? They say, I want to grow up to be a witch. That this is something that has uh, become mainstream, uh, whether we get it from books or movies. Um, and then you have added to that another level of witchcraft, which is sorcery. You know, sorcery, if you look up the word in the Greek, it's pharmakia. It's where we get our word pharmacy from. And it's the idea that you could use drugs and you can use herbs uh, to have in a spiritual Experience, And so uh, we are living in a time where many, many people uh, uh, believe in the great God uh, of prescription medication to solve their problems, to relieve their anxieties, to lift them out of depression. Um, and it has become mainstreamed uh, so that it's to suggest that, you know what, you can get through life uh, without the benefit of a pill. Uh, uh, you know, people get uh, deeply offended at that. If it's not that, we are living in the tattoo-piercing culture. And let me say to you, without uh, spending a lot of time on the subject, that you do your own uh, investigation on the roots of tattooing and piercing, and you'll find that it is rooted in witchcraft and paganism. The whole idea of bloodletting as a spiritual experience. Um, you show me someone who covered in tattoos and I'll show you somebody uh, who uh, believes that when they're getting a tattoo that they're having a spiritual experience. The reason why little girls cut themselves uh, is because of the experience they have when they're letting their blood out. Uh, they're entering into something that is spiritual. It is not just uh, a, a you know, fashion statement. Uh, it is not just a fad. Uh, it is a spiritual experience, and it is rooted in witchcraft. And so what we're seeing um, is this is happening. Uh, I can tell you that everywhere in the world uh, you will find expression of witchcraft, whether we're talking about the Sangomas, the witch doctors of South Africa. I've been to the Philippine Islands and I've seen it expressed. I've been to India. I've been to Indonesia. I've been all over the world, beloved, and I can tell you uh, that it doesn't matter what culture, you will always find somewhere in that culture expressions of witchcraft. Uh, even in our dear city, uh, you don't have to go very far to find uh, the curanderas uh, that uh, inhabit our community uh, that uh, tell us uh, that they can put you in touch with the spirit world. It is everywhere and this is what God is concerned about as they were moving through he said you are going to encounter witchcraft. Now you can break down witchcraft and what it offers down into three different things. One is divination. It's the idea that you can see supernaturally that you can gain hidden knowledge. The diviner is someone that predicts the future. It is somebody that can find lost things. We use the term witching a well. Somebody who claims to have powers that can help people find water on their land. The idea there that they have insight and understanding. That is why people are involved in the astrology charts and the fortune telling. And all of this is this idea that out there somewhere witchcraft says, I can give you knowledge and insight and understanding. This is true with forms of healing. 
that you can come, you know, the, the, the chiropractors. And I know today that there are Christian chiropractors and they wear, you know, they have air-conditioned buildings and they have uh, certificates to say that they're doctors. Uh, but the practice of witchcraft uh, or uh, 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 chiropractors uh, was from the idea that they could just simply go down your spine and from that they could tell if you were depressed. They could tell if you were tense. They could tell if you had a cold and believe that you can manipulate the spine. And by manipulating the spine, you can heal all manner of issues, uh, emotional and spiritual and physical, uh, by simply manipulating the spine. Then there's spiritism. Spiritism is the idea of contacting spirits or, or supernatural beings. Spiritism, witchcraft says, is that we can put you in touch with spirits, not only spirits, but the dearly departed. Seances, New Age challenging, channeling clairvoyance. The Bible says that King Saul can't hear from God anymore. And for years he has relied on the counsel of the prophet Samuel, but Samuel's now dead. And so what does Saul do? He goes to a witch because he believes that witches can put you in touch with the dead. And witchcraft offers this ability to gain this kind of access. That there are spiritual forces. I preached on Wicca this morning. And one of the promises of Wicca is the idea that there's spiritual energy all around us. And we can show you how to connect to that energy. How to connect to that spirit. The other thing that promises magic or witchcraft. The idea that we can give you power to change things. I told you this morning the word Wicca means to bend nature. The idea that we can give you charms or we can give you spells and we can give you words and you can do things to cause good things to happen or if you want to cause bad things to happen. That you have the power now to manipulate events. You know why people go to curanderas? They go to curanderas for mainly three things. They go to curanderas for their lottery numbers. You go, listen, how many know if they could give you right lottery numbers, they wouldn't be living in the barrio? But people go because they claim that we're going to give you some way to be able to make your life better, to give you wealth, to give you resources. And so there's the promise of, of greed or money. The other thing is love. We will tell you who you're going to marry. That uh, uh, doesn't matter if you're as ugly as a mud fence. You give us enough money and that girl will fall in love with you. The other thing is revenge. You're angry and somebody, and so you're going to go and you're going to pay money and uh, we're going to cause a, a curse to be put upon that person and we're going to have uh, bad luck uh, take place and people go and witchcraft says, hey, come to us and we will bend the future for you. We will bend things your way. We will give you an advantage. And the scripture says here, listen, you're going to find this. You're going to confront this in the world. Why does witchcraft have an appeal? Because there's something in the human heart tonight and our fallen nature that this is appealing. The Bible says that Eve is offered a, a contact that's apart from God's prescribed word. In the garden, Satan says, you don't have to do it God's way. And he offers a forbidden fruit and says, you can have a powerful experience, but you don't have to do it God's way. Witchcraft appeals to our fallen nature. Galatians 5 says the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, 
contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit uh, the kingdom uh, of God. Here in our text, it uses the word sorcery. If you have a King James Bible, it uses the word witchcraft. And so it's funny that when we think about the works of the flesh, we associate it uh, with drunkenness or we associate it with sexual perversion or perhaps uh, anger. But in the midst of all these things is the word witchcraft, that there's something inside of the human heart that the witchcraft has an appeal to. Eve saw the fruit and that it was good. It was to be desired. That every one of us need to be concerned. And so as they're moving through, God is saying, you know what? Uh, I'm concerned that when you begin to look at witchcraft, when you begin to see his expression, there's going to be a fascination. You're going to see things uh, and you're going to begin to have an appeal uh, to you. There's a promise of power and control. Uh, you don't have to live within the limits uh, of God's word. Uh, you can have power, but you don't have to worry about holiness and purity and repentance and humility. But you still get the power. What kind of people are drawn to the occult? Why is it, beloved, that there are some people that are fascinated by this? That seem to be drawn in this direction. One, I believe, are the superstitious. There are people who have been taught to fear evil spirits and seek protection from them. They believe in the principle of good luck and bad luck. I think this is why many Roman Catholics, especially in the Southwest, have a fascination with witchcraft because we were raised in a religion that taught us to hold good luck, bad luck. Do this or you're going to be cursed. Do this and you're going to be blessed. How many of us were, were taught when you pass a church, you, you, you have to make the sign of the cross? How many know what I'm talking about? How many here used to drive and you had to put down your marijuana pipe to make a sign of the cross, you know? And the reason you did it is not because you had this deep love for God because you were taught if you didn't do it, you're going to have bad luck. If you didn't light a certain candle, if you didn't fulfill a certain promise, bad things were going to happen and that principle reinforces this idea of superstition uh, and you don't want to offend the spirits. You don't want to make the ancestors angry. There's also those who are psychically open or people that... Uh, just have a fascination and they just tend to open doors. The Bible says the fool opens or utters all his mind. It says that uh, the simple believe every word and that there are people that they just, they're open to spiritual experiences. They have no discernment. Listen, don't let just anybody put their hands on you or on your children. You're going to go through H-E-B and you're going to have your cute little child and some lady's going to want to come and, and, uh, and uh, want, oh, let me just bless them. Get your hands off my kid. I remember one time many years ago, Yolanda and I were in Spain and we were uh, walking up through some uh, plaza, some old um, uh, uh, city there in Spain. And this uh, nice little lady came up to me and offered me a flower. And so I went and I stuck my hand out and she grabbed my hand and she said, I see Mira. And then she started explaining to reading my palm. And I said, Quitate. I don't know a whole lot of Spanish, but I know that. Brujeria, brujeria. <laughs> Don't be open to stuff. 
Well, yeah, someone wants to lay hands on me. Somebody wants to tell my future. Which leads me to curiosity. Curiosity killed the cat. Too many people think it's harmless to be involved in witchcraft. They laugh at this. Ah, yeah, come on, Pastor Ruby, how silly. You think it's entertaining to read your horoscope. Yeah, I'm just going to read this and, uh, and, 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 and not realize that in your curiosity, you begin to tamper with things. We had a sister here testify, grown up in church, was one day at her grandparents' house, found an old witchcraft book, uh, and again, just, you know, and began to read that, began to do a few things, uh, and began to do something to her. Began to mess with her head, uh, because this is not something that you should toy around with. This is not something that you should play with, but fascination and curiosity cause people to begin to tamper with these things. Deuteronomy 12, 30, be careful that you don't get curious about them after they've been destroyed before you. Don't get fascinated with their gods thinking, I wonder what it was like for them worshiping their gods. I'd like to try that myself. You know, another way that people begin to get drawn into witchcraft is grief. The death of a loved one and the idea that I just wish I could speak to them one more time. I'm telling you that is a major hook. King Saul goes looking for Samuel and he has to go through a witch because he deeply desires to speak to him one more time. A number of years ago, uh, the ladies were cleaning the building here and they got a banging on the door and somebody said, my sister needs to be prayed for. And so they said, okay. And when they opened the door, they saw some men reaching into a minivan and carrying a woman in, who was convulsing like you would have seen in our haunted house. And this woman was screaming bloody murder and they carried her into this building and they spent, I don't know, two hours trying to cast the devil out of this girl. She was shrieking. Uh, uh, Hollywood could not have done a better job uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, imitating what this woman was doing and the root cause of her demonic possession and listen to me because some of you know all about this uh, and that is that from a very early age uh, she had been taught that she had a gift and that gift was that she could connect with the dead relatives ever since she was a little girl three four years old uh, she would go into a trance-like state uh, and then the family would gather around uh, and then she would begin to speak on behalf of some relative uh, and all her life she is now in her 20s all her life um, she had been told this is a gift you have this ability uh, uh, this brother her brother told me that uh, his for uh, uh, a gang member friend died uh, and uh, he spoke to his friend through this uh, sister he goes we had a secret handshake nobody knew and my sister could do the handshake And what happened is the demon powers that were imitating dead relatives uh, had fastened onto this woman uh, and she was tormented much like you would see in the first scene of our haunted house. The people are so desperate to talk to the dead, they will suspend all good judgment. Over the years, from time to time, we'll have people come and uh, they're processing grief, but in their desperation, they will run to a spiritist, a medium, thinking that somehow that's going to put him in touch with the dead. Let me tell you something. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You cannot talk 
to the dead. That's called necromancy, and it's clearly forbidden. You know what else draws people to witchcraft? Being weak. People who feel powerless or left out or rejected are attracted to claims of power. You ever deal with a goth? These uh, whole goth movement and every, all these different high schools, basically they're the rejects. They're the people who feel that nobody cares about them. They're not a jock. They're not part of the band. They're not smart. And they tend to gravitate uh, and they gravitate uh, to the occult. Because the occult says, you can have power this way. And they're fascinated by that. Oftentimes, they are children of divorce, and they are attracted uh, their sense of rejection. They find a haven. They find in witchcraft a power that they do not feel in society. People who are dissatisfied. People who uh, play games um, and mess around in the kingdom of God. Uh, and so you're bored to death with the things of God, but you have a fascination with witchcraft. What you think Christianity is is nothing but dead, dry religion. And in your skepticism, uh, you've come to believe that, you know what, I can find it uh, in darkness, what I cannot seem to find in the light. Rebellion. The Bible says rebellion is as to sin uh, of witchcraft. Uh, and the Bible says that a rebel will even say the words, darkness, fall on me. And they will become so rebellious against God that they will just simply uh, say, I don't care what's right. I'm going to do whatever I want to do and are driven right into witchcraft out of rebellion, out of knowing what is right and rejecting it. We'll go uh, totally and embrace that. If you've ever sat down with somebody uh, that's a quote unquote Satanist, uh, let's be clear what you're really looking at is a rebel. That's all. They have given themselves over and like Satan, they want to shake their fist at God uh, and witchcraft comes and says, uh, you know what? You are of a kindred spirit. Perversion tonight leads off into witchcraft. One of the major lure of witchcraft is sexuality. It's the idea that uh, witchcraft can make you alluring. Witchcraft can draw, draw, bring down all the social mores remove all the barriers and you can basically do whatever you want and suggest to you that you will be happy. A very interesting study by George Barna said 54% of young people in church have tampered in witchcraft. Messed around in this. Don't see it as the danger and the threat that it is. Play games with it and witchcraft is right there saying, hey, you know what? I can offer you these things. You have these needs but I want to tell you, it lures you into bondage. The Exodus twenty two eighteen says, you shall not permit a witch to live. You know what the word occult means? It means hidden. Let me tell you something about witchcraft. It promises a lot, but there are some hidden costs. You play games with witchcraft, you mess around with black magic. Um, there are hidden dangers um, that you will step into. Listen to this story. A woman went to a hypnotist one time in an effort to try and quit smoking. Right after the meeting, she lost 50% of her ability to remember anything. For one year, her memory loss was so bad, she thought she was going to get fired from her job. She couldn't retain or remember what was being told to her by her superiors. Something supernatural had become attached to that part of her brain that controlled her memory functions. It wasn't until she confessed this activity as a sin, renounced it by telling God that she would never do it again, commanded the spirits to leave her in the name of Jesus Christ, and her memory ability was instantly restored back to her. Years ago, there's a woman here, I don't think she'll mind me telling the story, 
that went to a curandera, she wasn't a Christian, and went in order to have a spell cast on, a, on a, somebody she was fighting against. And as she was leaving, that curandera told her, I see in your future that you're going to develop lesions on your brain. And if you pay me I have several thousand dollars, I will break that curse. Extortion. The woman just laughed at her. No way. Laughed. Within months, developed blood lesions on her brain. And realized that when you step into this stuff, when you play games with what we're talking about tonight, there is a hidden price you're going to pay. There is a hidden price of, of torment and assault. Years ago, a pastor friend of mine told me a story about a man who came to him. This man was, was losing his mind. He was depressed, uh, and he didn't know what was going on. And, and, uh, and uh, he began to seek help from this pastor, and they were praying. And one day, this man was going through some personal effects, and he found this very unusual item in his house and he couldn't figure out where where it had come from it was just very very strange looking and 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 so began to find out what happened is this man was married and he had gotten involved with another woman and then he had said I am not going to do this I want to go back to my family and this woman in anger what this woman had done is gone to a witch and this witch had given her this little item and had her uh, uh, put it in this man's house in a secreted, hid it away. And when this man said, I'm going to leave you, he left her. And this man was tormented. He was depressed. He was suicidal. And finally going to a preacher and said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm losing my mind. He says, let's begin to pray. And God showed him this object and they had to get rid of it. And immediately this was broken in his life. Because there is a bondage to what we're talking about. The Bible says of King Manasseh, he practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft, consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And the Bible says that later on, um, he was captured uh, and he was put in chains and fetters. Uh, and this king was led away in bondage uh, because that is what witchcraft does. It says to you, oh, I'll give you power. Oh, I'll tell you the future. Yeah, yeah, I, I, will, I will let you consult uh, uh, your lost relative. Uh, but a horrible, horrible darkness and depression uh, falls upon a people who begin to practice and enter in to witchcraft. Let me close and talk about winning over the witch. Listen to me tonight. You and I as Christians have dominion over all the powers of darkness. Jesus says, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy tonight. You and I are going to face the witch. We're going to confront the powers of darkness. Our approach is evangelism and preaching the gospel and saying, you know what, you don't have to go to the witchcraft tonight. You don't have to play games and mess around. If, if there's fake power, there's real power tonight. And there's healing and there's deliverance. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Uh, we are involved in a spiritual battle tonight, uh, and we have to recognize uh, the assaults that are coming. I was praying tonight uh, in the prayer room, and as I was praying, uh, I began to feel something. And that is that, you know, uh, I'm looking at, we haven't had the crowds we normally get. And I understand uh, there's geography and new building, three new buildings in three years. And I understand that, beloved. But I'm telling you uh, what's keeping people away is spiritual 
There are demonic assaults. There's demonic resistance. Uh, and the Bible reminds us, listen, you are involved in a spiritual battle uh, and you're going to have to employ spiritual means to overcome this battle. Beloved, you don't win this war by debating a witch on Fox News. You don't win this war by writing an article in the newspaper. You win this war in prayer and hitting the devil where it hurts, which is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, secondly, that you and I must prepare for this battle, that we have to put on the armor of God. Listen to me. It's funny preaching with all these demons looking at me from the back. Uh, I assume that this is the cast from the haunted house and that I'm not just seeing in the spirit world right now. But I'm going to tell you something, beloved. Uh, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. If you're going to do something for God and you're going to say, well, I want to impact, uh, then you better be prepared for a fight. You better have, uh, amen, the armor of God, the helmet of salvation to guard your thought life, the breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart. Uh, you need to have the belt of truth, uh, amen, uh, that is able to hold everything together because you're an honest man or woman. Your feet are shod uh, with the preparation of the gospel of peace you have the shield of faith you have the sword of the spirit and you say you know what I have to be ready for a spiritual battle and I can't play games here the Bible talks about the seven sons of Siva who simply thought they could tamper with the spirit world without being right with God and it ultimately destroyed them that our response beloved is yes we need to engage the witch but if we're going to engage the witch, then you and I need to be prepared for that battle. And we prepare spiritually. And thirdly, beloved, we have the blood of Jesus tonight. And that blood has power this evening. That blood signals something in the spirit world. The Bible says in the Passover uh, that the angel of death was moving across the land of Egypt uh, and they were instructed to take the blood of the lamb uh, and place it upon the doorposts. Uh, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you uh, because the blood means something in the spirit world. The blood means something tonight. The blood is, has to be honored and respected. Uh, the enemy cannot get beyond the blood of Jesus tonight. That blood has the power this evening to cleanse uh, and to separate and draw a clear spiritual distinction. Maybe you have tampered and messed around. Maybe you have toyed with this this evening. Maybe uh, you're still vexed and tormented because of the things that you stepped into. I have good news tonight. The blood of Jesus Christ can set you free. I want you to bow your heads this evening. I need to move along here quickly. You're in this building tonight and you're not right with God. Maybe you came because you heard that I was going to preach on black magic. Maybe you have drawn into this, uh, and, and it was a game, a Ouija board, a seance. Maybe you saw a movie, and you thought, oh, that, that, that can't be too bad. And as a result of that, you have stepped into things, uh, and you're vexed, and you're tormented uh, in your mind now, and you know that you cross spiritual lines. Uh, the blood of Jesus has the power to cleanse tonight. The blood of Jesus has the power to wash you clean and to renew you. Uh, you will discover that the power of God, light is greater than darkness tonight, uh, and you can come to the light, uh, and you can be set free. And I wonder who in this building would say, Pastor Ruby, I'm not saved, I'm not right with God, would you pray for me? Let's lift up your hand all around this building. Would you pray for me? I'm not saved and I need to be born again. Lift up your hand. I need to be born again. I need to be cleansed. The blood of Jesus over my life. I want to be set free. Lift up your hand. Would you respond? 
The whole world is looking for power tonight. The whole world is looking for answers. And they're so desperate that they've gone looking in all the wrong places, led to bondage. You can be set free. Lift up your hand. There's an answer tonight. That answer is the blood of Jesus. Slip up your hand. Maybe you're a backslider. You'd say, oh, pastor, I, I, I know too much about God to ever go to that. I'm telling you, friend, the forbidden fruit stands. And the more we turn from God, the more appealing it becomes. And God's dealing with you tonight. You're backslidden. You lift your hand. Say, pray for me. I want to get my heart right with God. Slip it up before I move on. Anybody at all before I move on tonight? You know, I preach this because it alarms me 54% of young people in the church tamper in witchcraft. There's so much of it around music, movies, videos, the internet, that if you're not careful, it, you, you begin to get a fascination. I think being a carnal Christian, if you're not careful, you start looking for answers another way. And witchcraft comes along and says, hey, you know what? I'll tell you. You, you need to know the future? You need to know what to do? I'll tell you. I'll divine it for you. I've seen good Christian people in the midst of their grief will set aside everything they know because somebody told them, I can put you in contact with that deceased loved one. It's out there. God says, you know what? Don't tolerate this. Don't, don't mess with this. Because witchcraft can come. It looks appealing. It's like a shortcut. It's like an easy way to get answers. But the occult, friend, there's a, there's a hidden price you're going to pay. You know what we need in this generation, beloved? We need some real Christians, some Pentecostal Christians, spirit-filled Christians, that say, you know what, I'm not just a religious person. I have real power. The Bible says that when the sorcerers did their thing, Moses came in the name of, at the name of Jehovah God and said, our God has more power. And every time the sorcerer tried to match him, there came a point where they could not match the power that flowed through Moses' life. That's, I believe, I have a prophetic picture of where you and I need to be, beloved. We don't need to be dead, dry, religious Christians. We don't need to be lukewarm, half committed. People need to look at us and say, these folks have real power. And when they have a need, they don't need to run down to the curandera. They'll run to you because they believe you have power with God. Don't settle for anything less than that. Let's stand.